0: This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. You're joining us today for a special episode as part of our 2023 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, president and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy Chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list and from there they contact your members and it's no high pressure sales or anything. And it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just I'm very sold on community matters. And with a printing background,
1: I just big endorsement for me.
0: To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Tim Giuliani. Tim is advancing the pace of change and altering the perceptions of a place best known for tourism by reconceptualizing the Orlando region's economic future. As the president and CEO of the Orlando Economic Partnership, Tim is leading the multi-year pursuit to create a new model for economic and community development that changes the status quo and establishes a new path forward towards broad-based prosperity for all. Before joining the partnership, Tim was the president and CEO at the Greater Raleigh Chamber of Commerce. He also led the Gainesville Area Chamber of Commerce and Council for Economic Outreach. He lives in Orlando with his wife and three children. Tim, we're excited to have you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. First of all, congratulations to you and your team for being selected as Chamber of the Year finalists. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the Chamber champions and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better.
1: Sure. I appreciate you having me on. Um, Certainly appreciate the recognition from ACCE um, for our organization and As far as something interesting to start with, I guess, um, in the ways we use our free time, if you want to call it that, um, (laughs) I coach a a softball team, a travel softball team made up of 11 11 year old girls. And that's a, a nice fun activity and development activity I get to do, you know, a few times a week.
0: Yeah. So any free time you might have had is, is sucked right up with that. I know how those travel teams go. Yeah, It can be all inclusive for sure. Yeah. These
1: girls are serious. And I think I learned a lot um, growing up about leadership through baseball. And I think it's a wonderful way to learn a lot about drive and determination and consistency, coachability, teamwork, all of the things that are required in the workplace or things that you can learn on the softball field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the Orlando Economic Partnership just to give us a maybe a better idea of the type of chamber you are, the size, staff, scope of work, budget, that sort of thing to kind of set the stage for our discussion today.
1: Yeah, our organization is only about 7 years old. It was the result of a merger between uh, the EDC of Metro Orlando and the Central Florida Partnership, which included the Orlando Chamber of Commerce. So we're we're essentially a consolidated, if you will, you know, economic development um, and regional chamber. Um, we were given kind of white canvas as to what sort of chambers need to be doing um, in the 21st century without um, so much attachment to the to the legacy ways of doing business. And so we're a 11 million dollar organization. We have a staff of about 45, and we're just you know, all focused on advancing broad-based prosperity in central Florida. I love it.
0: I love the name too, Orlando Economic Partnership. So it's not just focused on economic development, but it truly is the partnership with the businesses and in general, it adopts that convener ability of chambers of commerce by encapsulating that focuses Yeah, absolutely. It, the focuses
1: on, it focuses on that. We don't offer a lot of things that I've done earlier in my career as it relates to networking or or marketing and advertising. It's much more, you know, a smaller group of companies that are interested in making change and improving the economy here. And they choose to do that uh, by partnering with us. Right. Now That's great. So the way that we like to structure
0: these Chamber of the Year interviews is I'd like to have you tell us what the two programs are that you guys submitted on your Chamber of the Year application, just at a high level. And then we'll circle back and dive into each of them in, in much more detail.
1: Sure. The first project is that we created the first of its kind regional digital twin. And so you you have several hundred square miles of Central Florida. And when we host companies um, or market executives or executives from, you know, corporate that's looking at expansion or asset allocation within Central Florida, we're able, instead of having to worry about driving them around all of Central Florida, you know, from the Space Coast to UCF to the airport to our semiconductor cluster, et cetera. You know we're able to immerse them in a in a digital twin of our entire region, and then we overlay you know, like eighty data sources on top of that. So almost any question that anyone has um, can be answered in a very engaging way with a digital twin that was largely made in Orlando. So it is an authentic representation of our tech community, which is something that we have in spades. However, that's not part of the brand that people know Orlando for. Uh, in In most cases, so it allows us to put that technology forward and then use it in very practical ways so, so yeah,
0: I want to learn a lot more about that. I've got a lot of questions for you on it, but what what's the other program you guys submitted on your application?
1: Yeah, the other program is part of part of an uh, ongoing ten um, year effort to build a semiconductor cluster here in Central Florida. Um, there's only about 17 States that really have semiconductor activity. You know, now it's a lot more popular than it was, um, six, seven years ago. Um, when we were in the throes of, of moving the ball forward, but in this, in this last year, uh, we were successful at attracting a $50 million federal grant that's locally matched. So it is a total of $75 million investment, um, in all things to build, um, that industry cluster here. So it's a big shot in the arm, a big step forward. And so we focused on the benefits and and the work that we put into attracting and winning that federal grant out of, there was like 570 something applications nationwide. Uh, We won the only award in Florida. So that's, um, that was pretty remarkable.
0: that, That speaks volumes for sure. Um, so, I'm excited to dive into both of these programs in much more detail right after this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom eat shop play mobile app with App My Community by visiting app.mycommunity.com/chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a Small Business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built in scavenger hunts allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your app My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Exciting news! Introducing Pippily by Chamber Nation, the innovative solution to manage and promote your community for unstoppable growth. Joining the Chamber of Commerce means one thing: commerce. Businesses want to thrive and Pippily is here to make that happen. With Pipply, your members can experience remarkable benefits even if they can't attend events. It's a game changer for retention. Say goodbye to ordinary directories and embrace a transformative commerce management system. Unlock the true power of commerce management. Picture a centralized Pipply dashboard combining top mobile technologies for subscriptions, event registration, community communications, and more. It's incredible. Don't miss out. Visit Pippily.com to learn more. That's P-I-P-P-I-L Y.com. Schedule your demo at richardscalendar.com. It's affordable and delivers more. Pippily by Chamber Nation. Your community's future starts now. Hey everybody, Donna from Yifty here. Today, just like Brandon, we're bringing you a guest speaker. First up is Gina from Durham, North Carolina. We've sold more than 3,300 community cards in Durham that are being spent at 51 different merchants. There's something for everyone. I'm Gina Rozier, Director of Marketing, Communication, and Placekeeping for Downtown Durham Incorporated, and I'm a very happy Yifty customer. We're the Bull City, and we created our spendable community card with Yifty years ago. Our participating businesses love it, and we had our best ever sales figures last year. Yifty is great to work with. They help with marketing the program and it is truly turnkey for us and our businesses. Choosing Yifty has been a great decision for downtown Durham. Thanks, Gina. Wondering how you can have your own community card for free? Check out Yifty.com for next steps. Now back to the show. All right, Tim, we're back. Um, so let's let's circle back and, and tell us more about this digital twin. I want to figure out how you guys did this. What sort of platform are you using? Is this, uh, you know, do you use it on your phone? Do you need a headset? Like, how, do, how does this work?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. It'd be easier if you were, uh, and all the listeners were just kind of sitting in the same room in front of uh, our, our display. But t- essentially what we've created is a a, a digital reconstruction of the region and so you've you've seen some things similar on Google Maps to give you a frame of reference okay um however um the magic is really um in bringing that to life in more three-dimensional ways and also overlaying all of the data on top of sort of that that terrain or that map we partnered with unity technologies and unity you know if there's any 10 to 13 year olds listening They've just got excited because they know Unity, uh, because they play their games all the time. And Unity is a gaming platform. So essentially, we created a video game of Orlando. And it allows you know the use of a tablet um, and standing in front of a, a full 180-degree LED wall, LEDs coming out of the floor into translucent panels. So you get a three-dimensional perspective. You're able to tour the entire region, dive into it go down to almost street level, um, and then see all the data on top of it, whether you're wondering about home prices, you're wondering about income, educational attainment levels, um, prices uh, and availability of commercial real estate buildings, classes of commercial real estate buildings, almost anything that you can look up in an Excel spreadsheet, um, we have for our audiences live. And so currently we've executed phase one, which means it's available in our office, in our marketing center. Um, it's also available on a headset. So you put on an Oculus and you get to um, enter the digital twin. It's made on a platform that's viewable almost anywhere. So, tablet, computer, Oculus, the Apple Vision Pro, um, Unity's development, you know, is the platform you can develop for that new product. So it's essentially, as we get into phase two, and it comes off essentially our servers and goes into the cloud, it'll then be accessible uh, from anywhere.
0: Wow. Now, uh, that answers my next question. I was going to ask if there's a link that we can share in this episode where people can check it out and see what it looks like. That sounds like
1: that's part of phase two as it uploads to the cloud. But we put together a site, orlando.org slash digital twin, where you can really Um, understand the capabilities and what it looks like and how we use it. So there's, it's it's surprisingly, um, I mean, it's got a lot of press. It's very leading edge. We partnered with Unity. Obviously, this is very applicable um, across the country, across the world, as cities think about, you know, all the sensors that are out there, all the data that's out there. How do you visualize that and use that um, in, in, in ways that help your current business. And this for us really checked that box. So you had mentioned basically anything you
0: can find on the spreadsheet, you can find on this digital twin as you kind of explore and, and dive in a little deeper throughout the, the whole platform. I imagine a lot of that is plugins on the back end. So as data is inputted, it, it gets updated live within the platform, I would assume. Uh, what about other updates along the way when there's new businesses or new development, how does that get implemented into the
1: platform? Yeah. So the interesting thing about this project was that, you know, as we talked about it, as we were seeking to enable, you know, over the last six years, um, we built up reserves and we ran sort of, um, net positive on our revenue. And so we had to make an investment and we had to convince our our board our finance committee this was a smart investment for us to make and so the the challenge though was describing something that doesn't exist right and so what we realized you know there's gonna there's almost unlimited use cases for our members um community leaders to you to utilize this technology but it was so hard for them to conceptualize without seeing it mm. so we moved forward with phase one and Essentially, now you can see it, um, understand it, see its capabilities, understand how it can work for your business. And now we're at a phase um, where we're talking to all sorts of partners from transportation agencies to utilities to developers about taking uh, this digital twin to the next level. So it's really, you, you got to see it to really appreciate what it can do.
0: Yeah. Now, I, just my background has been in chamber publishing so like one of the things that we would do was maps right for cities so this kind of strikes a chord with me because we would do digital versions of the maps and there's different plugins like you're saying like as it evolves you can go to you know transportation kind of plugins and you can see you know kind of live traffic updates and things like that which is it's super intriguing to me um and i'm sure it'll continue to evolve too but I can see this as a a great tool as far as attracting, you know, economic development and showing available space and just that, that tour of the city. Um, Do you, I don't know exactly how to ask this question. I I know some things you can definitely portray in that digital format. Some things you just have to be there. Right. So what percentage maybe do you think covers, you know, checks those boxes as far as, yeah, maybe you don't need to be here in person or it gets a person so far to where they say, yeah, now we need to plan a trip to come to Orlando and actually be there and see things in person.
1: Or do they need to? I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's changing, right? Right. Um, We landed a lot of projects during COVID uh, where they made like one quick visit. Uh, Yeah. So I think think that's changed a little bit. Um, There's two real answers I can give you. One is, when we put it in the headset, and we're in New York, and we're talking to executives or site selection consultants, they could put on the headphone, the headset, without ever visiting Orlando, and they could really get an immersive perspective on available uh, sites and buildings and it, their, their relative connectiveness to the rest of the community and what we have to offer. So, yeah, so that's an example where someone doesn't have to visit; they can get an initial look, and it's much better than a brochure, right? Right. right. Um, second case is so. Pretend you're visiting Orlando, and you've got say 24 to 36 hours here, which is typical. Um, you know, we're able to to give them a, a great geographic orientation because one thing I can assure you is that most people listening to this um, podcast that don't live in Florida really view it as a blob with Miami at the southern tip, <laughs> and and what we're able to do is geographically orient uh, people to the connectivity because. You know, Central Florida is really founded on its connectivity, Yeah. not only uh, from Disney's perspective as sort of the crossroads of Florida, but over to the Space Coast and our, our particular um, longitude, latitude, and its ability to get to space. So we've benefited from that. So that continues to drive decisions and we want to show that connectivity, which we can do and then we can show them the the sort of communities and areas of which they're considering and then it we get in a car and we can go to you know two or three places so it just creates an opportunity to give someone a much better picture of central florida without putting them in the car and boring them with hours and hours of driving around to see things we could right. just do that in our marketing center so
0: when you say you get in the car in this virtual sense what does that look like? I, I imagine you can just really shortcut a lot of the traffic and the distance and everything and say, okay, now you go here, we head south, and here's this place.
1: Yeah, it's just a flyover. And it's really, you know, if we were standing in the studio, I'd be holding a tablet and you'd be standing, you know, 10, 15 feet away from the the monitors and and we would be pinching and zooming just like you do on your phone. Right. Um, when you look at a map, and we'd be showing you and you know, taking you to UCF and showing you the second largest university in America, and then sort of driving along I-4 into downtown Orlando and giving you that perspective. So then when we get out in the car, you know, we can only, maybe we can visit two or three sites as opposed to having to make 10 or 11 visits around the region. So it kind just narrow it
0: down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think when companies are looking at cities, they're not just looking at one, they're looking at multiple. And so you're trying to create a a competitive advantage and a a better experience. And we think this creates a better experience when someone's considering an investment here in Orlando.
0: Right. Yeah, and I can see as you... You know, do a presentation like this. Obviously, you want to show the highlights, right? Those things yeah. that are going to attract the business. And I know Orlando has no downsides to it, right? But I mean, some cities out there, right. they right. might have some spots that they might want to cover up and not show. So it, just to be able to kind of narrow things down, say, here's the well, highlights and pique the interest to bring a visit, I think is a, a huge key in the selling factor.
1: Yeah. And actually, for some of the areas, you know, that you kind of casually mentioned, um, that haven't gotten a lot of investment over time. We're actually partnering um, with some of them as well, so that they have the ability to make the same type of presentation to investors because some of those areas are very well connected to the the infrastructure of central Florida. They're very close to higher education institutions. And so they're you know overlaid with opportunity zones and and other special tax districts and and that provide benefits to companies. So it actually not only enables us to show the highlights of Central Florida but it allows us to showcase the opportunities that may have been overlooked because maybe they weren't part of that brochure or that website in the past. So you know it's still early but it's an interesting uh, way to think about showcasing the entire community. Right. Um so we'll get the the link to the
0: digital twin in our show notes for this episode Good. for listeners that want to go and check it out and kind of Play around and see what it looks like. Um, I think that would be good to get some visuals on it. But uh, let's let's shift gears over into the second program focused on um, the semiconductor industry and, and creating that cluster there. Uh, before we got on the, the podcast and started recording, I'd actually kind of poked around your guys' website, and I noticed you have a, a good number of staff that are dedicated to the semiconductor industry. So this is definitely something that's an area of focus and of importance to you, but tell us more about that and the focus you guys have with semiconductors.
1: Yeah, actually this, um, this win, uh, that we featured in our application allowed us to build a team, uh, focused on semiconductors. Cause I can assure you, um, I cannot Go through the supply chain dynamics, the the parts, the tools. It's a very uh, sp- uh, specific uh, knowledge base of which you need to be able to communicate with these companies uh, because what they do is so highly technical. And you know, over the last ten years, we've there's this piece of property that's 500 acres just south of Orlando in Osceola County, and the the EDC at the time and the county decided to come together. You know, they kind of had two options. They could invest in a new spring training site for a major league baseball team or they could go a different direction and do something to try to diversify their economy in the technology space. And so that's the path that they went down. And over time, you know, now if I drove you over to what's called Neo City, you've got 500 acres that the county owns. There's all the infrastructures, laid, roads, utilities, water, stormwater, et cetera. Um, there's a fab. So about 160 million dollar facility um, that currently is leased by Skywater Technologies. Um, they're a, a semiconductor um, global foundry that they're US owned. So they have an important niche in this whole semiconductor conversation and DoD. Um, many people don't know that Orlando is actually heavily um, invested in by um, Department of Defense, and we have a long history of um, military installments and investment. In fact, all the branches of the government have offices here, uh, some rather large, all around the areas of modeling and simulation. And all of that uses technology nowadays. And so we have a big defense uh, base here. So the semiconductor, you kind of think space, you think defense, um, and now you begin to understand sort of a niche that's available here in semiconductors. And over time, we've worked um, to build that cluster. And then we were awarded a $50 million grant um, through the regional Build Back Better uh, challenge. There was over 500 applications. I think there was about 25 announced winners. Uh, We were one of those 25. And so that combined local match and federal dollars, it, it means a $75 million enhancement to those cluster building activities here so we're really excited about the path we're on to provide a niche to the semiconductor industry that's looking to reshore particularly as it relates to space um, and defense and as it relates if you want to get technical into advanced packaging which is a, an area of um, uh, product that's provided by that industry So I guess that, that leads into the question I was going
0: to ask as to why you got, you guys wanted to get into the niche of semiconductors. And it makes sense with the space aspect with the department of defense and, um, looking into the future, are there other opportunities you are kind of targeting in the semiconductor spaces in addition to what's already there?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, those are some industry verticals that they're interested in. But I think as it relates to the technology and the product offering, you know, I don't see us landing the next $10 billion Intel plant. That's not, I don't think that's in the cards for us. Um, What I do think is in the cards is, you know, advanced packaging. So think about when you were younger, you took apart a radio and you found a really solid green board with the chips and transistors and connections on it. Well, that hard piece, um, is the packaging. And so now the advanced packaging is when you're putting multiple chips together and that board has now become bendable. So it's, it can go into a lot more devices and helmets and different, different things. Um, that even though, you know, as we seek to onshore or reshore more chip manufacturing, you know, China still has about a 98% market share of this advanced packaging process. Wow! So we think that this important niche... So you need specific tools that are multi-million dollar tools that are in our fab here. Um, we think that this advanced packaging component of the supply chain is a niche that we could do well in here in Central Florida.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. China's got 98% of the market. If you can get... You know, most of the market share in the the States, then you'd be winning, (laughs) at least in our country. So that's great. Um, So these are two great programs, obviously making a a big impact in driving Orlando forward and making an impact in the community. Especially as a Chamber of the Year finalist, I like asking this question, as far as chambers that are out there looking to take their chamber up to the next level. What tips or, or uh, advice or action items might you have for, for someone trying to accomplish that goal?
1: My suggestion, I think coming up in the industry, and I've been in this um, line of work myself for about 18 years, um, what we're taught um, is a lot of what's called strategic planning. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, you know, that's a part of, um, the strategy, but to really get a forward-looking strategy, I really believe you need to adopt a strategic foresight process, and the planning can certainly come later. But I think you've got to really understand from the outside in, you know what what's going on in the marketplace. The world is is quickly changing, and what are those variety of trends that are out there? And then pare that down to a set of drivers of what's really going to impact our work in our region and understanding what's driving change and then be able to think about what what you do to achieve your goals in the face of that change. So I just think it's a different um, perspective and mindset that strategic foresight brings that enables you know the idea of coming up with a digital twin came directly out of that process. and it's it's really digitally transforming our work uh, as we speak. and we're only in phase one. I mean there's unlimited ability now as it relates to you know transportation is one of our big priorities as it is for a lot of chambers. And as it relates to making future investments, you know we're now able to put in to the digital twin um, scenarios of what a new train line, would bring and what that would do to traffic and how to communicate that to elected officials and the larger media and public. So I think it just, you know, it came out of that strategic foresight process of understanding what was coming online from a technology perspective, and then being able to see how that relates to us. And then we were able to build a plan off of that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I love you know hearing the the other uses for the digital twin too. That'll that'll help with advocacy and and those things that are important in the region. Um, so, I, and the terminology, the strategic foresight process. Is there a, a formal process that you go through? That uh, kind of a structure that you follow. I don't know if you're prepared to speak to that, but that it is very intriguing to me.
1: Yes, absolutely. There's you know if you if you're interested. There's some online courses. The Institute of the Future has a has a great online course, kind of crash course in understanding strategic foresight. You know, it's um, it's also you know what futurists use. And I know some people may have preconceived notions of what that might be and how many eight balls that entails. Right. <laughs> but I can assure you, it's a it's a business process. A lot of leading companies um, are leveraging this um, technique or this. Uh, mindset in their companies to really think of whether it's consumer insights, uh, strategic foresight. So there's definitely a process. Um, I went through a program at the University of Houston. So the University of Houston, University of Hawaii are the two universities in the U.S. that have for decades had programs focused on st- uh, strategic foresight. So there's there's obviously books, websites, um, courses, uh, higher education certifications, et cetera, to help. Uh, anybody become more familiar with that process. Yes. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. Great tip. I love it. So speaking of futurists, as we look to the future of chambers of commerce, how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward?
1: Well, I've, I've always maybe had a, a, a slightly different take on things. And I, I really feel that the sort of things we've, we did 15 years ago and I did them too. I, you know, I've created directories, I've edited, I've gotten the calls when we, you know, put the wrong phone number or address, you know, I understand sort of those things that have um, been consistent in our industry. But I think, you know, over time, some of them have gotten commoditized and easily available online through LinkedIn, through Meetup, through a variety of sources. And I think we've got to keep innovating in a way that's, just focused on impact, you know, what is going to drive the future of the region? What needs to be undertaken? You know, how do we set priorities for the community that's to the benefit uh, of everybody? And I think we play an important role as chambers in setting those community priorities by convening and by, you know, kind of being the same center or the one that Mm -hmm. is able to be focused on progress and a longer time horizon, than most elected officials um, have. And so I think we have that niche of, we bring the community together, we help to set priorities, we're longer term in our perspective, and then building programming and advocacy and work that's tied to that mission, um, in my opinion, is a better um, and more sustainable technique um, than trying to be all things to all size companies, in all parts of the community, I don't. I don't think that's actually attainable.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're right. Just figuring out what that that impact is and setting those priorities, convening and being the same center, I think is is spot on. Well, Tim, as we uh, before we let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who may want to reach out and connect and maybe learn more about the digital twin and how you got that going or, or anything that we've talked about today. What would be the best way for them to reach out and connect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think LinkedIn is really the best way um, happy to connect on LinkedIn or and communicate uh, at least initially that way. But LinkedIn, uh, I think's the easiest way to get in touch with me.
0: Good deal. And I'll have your your profile linked on the uh, yeah, the it's just my name as well., yeah so, yeah, yeah
1: uh, that'll work. There's not many of us, so under that name, so it should be easy to find.
0: That's right. We'll we'll get that in there, but I really appreciate you setting aside some time to to spend with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast and wish you and your team best of luck as Chamber of the Year and congratulations on the great impact you guys are making.
1: Thank you. Really appreciate it. If you are a Chamber
0: professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the chamber podcast course today.